Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason. And tonight, we did not have an opening song, and that just threw me for a minute, but that's okay, because I can roll with this. I didn't set this show up. My, my co-host did, so we'll we'll get after him later. Joke. But tonight, our guest with us is author Armand Rosamilia, and he was on our show when we were live before. And while I have been gone for a couple of weeks because I got a call that someone who's been in my life for the last 31 years was dying. I had to leave Florida and go to Georgia. And then when she died, we took her over to Alabama. So I went from cold country to the frozen tundra. And the whole time we were having the funeral service, I mean, the graveside service on top of Grant Mountain, Florida was calling. They wanted a girl back. Well, I come back to Florida, and guess what? It's 30 degrees. I said, I didn't sign up for this. But the weather's getting better. Life is good. My bones are no longer hurting. So tonight we're going to have fun with Ann and myself and Armand. And he is a New Jersey boy, so he knows cold weather. He is living in sunny Florida, which he's living in Jacksonville, which should still be a part of Georgia. And they got down into the teens, so we'll talk about that. And he writes when he's not sleeping, so I'm pretty sure he's not sleeping a lot. He is a happily married to a woman who helps his career and is supportive, which is all he ever wanted in life. He's written over 200 stories that are currently available, including crime thrillers, supernatural thrillers, horror, zombies, contemporary fiction, nonfiction, and more. His goal is to write a good story and not worry about genre labels, and he is indeed a man after my own heart, because those of you who know me know I do not care about genres. There's only two genres I will not write in. One is romance, and the other is erotica. He's also a successful podcaster. The Mando Method podcast with co-host Chuck Buddha, where they talk about writing and publishing, and Armand has this little voice in his head that causes him to talk in third person because he's kind of cool like that. Armand, welcome. Thanks for having me again. You are so welcome. I, I am so tickled to death because, like I said, it's been a minute since you were on here last. And thank you for filling in for me while I was out those two weeks. You, Honey, I don't know what I'd do without you, so if you decide to disappear, you do know I will find you, right? <laughs> you, know, you, know where, you know where I'll I am sure. in, in Jacksonville. Yes. Right, and I'll, well, make sure, uh, I'll make sure I load some music for us next time. You know, that did... It did the same thing to me. I don't know if you heard uh, one of the the podcasts, but um, I was on there, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm all like, where's the music? And I did the same thing you did. I'm like, well, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) good evening. Uh, That's awkward. (laughs) So don't even trip. I I, I did it too. But see, you have to go under the um, advanced options and find some kind of music because that's what the folks expect from us. And and but but the ladies and gentlemen, that's why we do off the chain because it's 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 insane. We we can't even load the the shows right half the time. So. 
tell Armand. Armand, you, you probably have some experience doing that in uh, podcasting. You've had some awkward starts in your shows, right? Oh, God, yeah. I've, I've done, uh, especially in the beginning, I've done so many shows. And on the radio, when I was live on the radio, where uh, somebody mm-hmm. would text me and go, you know, it's just, uh, there's just uh, no, nothing. Because I would forget to hit, like, the uh, the live switch or something. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So. That was always that was always a lot of fun, and of course it was when I had something brilliant to talk about before introducing a song. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yvonne, you there? Did we lose her? Uh, we might have lost. Did we lose Yvonne? Are you still there, Ramon? I'm here. Interesting. All right. Well, the show must go on. So I was uh, doing some research on, on you again. And, um, you know, I always like uh, connecting the listeners on how I meet people through my journey. So you met me as well um, as Yvonne at a young age. And you and yeah. I teamed up on a project. Do you want to talk about that project a little bit? Well, which one are we referring to? Because I've been, I've been, I've, uh, I've done a lot of projects. <laughs> yeah, I, I, once I said that, I'm like, man, he's he's done more than like 14 pieces like me. Um, it was author supporting our troops. And um, yeah, that's where we, uh, that's where we first, first got in touch. So how many years ago? That's um, 2014, really maybe. Know. Yeah, it was uh, seven years off. ago because. Uh, yeah. We, we connected, and um, I remember that you had so many books that you were actually filling up a bedroom, and you had, like, a photo of it. We had T-shirts, <laughs> and um, all the books, we, we requested signed copies of um, people's books that we would ship them to the more remote places in the world, right? And obviously, we're not going to detail where we ship them, right? we got to protect our troops, but right. we shipped them to the places that um, – they don't typically have nooks and, you know, they might not have the luxuries that we have. And so um, we also had T-shirts. And I remember I was in a North Dakota winter storm uh, with my T-shirt and you told me to get back inside because I was a crazy kid. <laughs> it's, uh, when, it, was, when, it was great. We, when did um, we stop doing that and, and why did we stop doing that? Because I, I kind of, I can't remember for the life of me. Well, we stopped doing it, a couple things. Um, so we were only sending books to soldiers in remote areas without easy access to books. And um, so it was basically people who were giving us uh, addresses for, for soldiers, and we would send them two, two boxes, which was, which was about 100 books, and then they would pass them out to their unit. And it uh, didn't matter what kind of books they just wanted to read so um yeah i think i collected almost 10,000 uh, author signed books over the course of the mm-hmm. of the years that i did it and um yeah and it was great the problem is because then the troops started getting recalled and there mm-hmm. weren't as many that mm-hmm. uh i could get in touch with and the cost i mean it was coming out of pocket less people mm-hmm. um donating um, money and stuff like that. So we were always uh, trying to buy more, you know, and obviously sending overseas is a lot of money. 
And um, yeah, oh yeah, it just got to the point where I was, I was spending hours and hours. Like you said, I had a, I had a one of the extra bedrooms, and it was at one point it was about half full of books, just yep. stacks and stacks of books, and I was getting in. Envelopes every day. I mean, boxes of books, signed <laughs> books from authors. There was authors that were, I mean, I had publishers sending me a box of twenty-five or fifty books. Yeah. Uh, so it was great, but it was so much work, and I was doing it just me and my wife. So we were printing the labels, and then I'd have to bring them to the post office, and um, it was great. And I, I had a good mean, time, and then it it, it got to yeah. the point where. I just like I said I couldn't find enough soldiers, so once I, I stopped it, we just sent out until finally all the books were uh, were done, were gone. Yeah. And, and by no means am I being disparaging and saying like, oh man, why do we stop? But um, no, you know, I, I remember mean, yeah. that it was yeah okay. I just want to make sure, and I, I really do appreciate you, and I know Yvonne appreciates you um, thinking about our troops in remote areas. That was such a great idea. The thing is, I got it from a Joe, yeah. Joe McKinney originally had done it one year, mm-hmm. um, but just like a box of books mm-hmm. to, a, to a soldier that somebody knew. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so I, I said, hey, can I kind of carry this on? I'm thinking we'd do like three or four boxes. And like <laughs> I said, we did almost 10,000 10, books at the end there was, yeah. uh, was mailed out over those four or five years, however long it was. I think it's always funny because, uh, you know, we always start off with the best intentions in the beginning. We're like, ah, it's just going to be like mm, 10 boxes, right? And then you're like, oh, it's 10,000 boxes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. I think yeah. Yvonne's back on. Yvonne, can you hear us? I can hear y'all. Can y'all hear me? Yep. yep. Oh, good. My mic went out. I don't know why, and um. it had a brain cramp and went out, so I had to dial in on my phone. But what I was going to okay. say is the response, even though it was an overload for y'all, for you, it shows the respect and dedication for our military personnel that is unprecedented. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, and, it was amazing the amount of different authors and different genres came together with this. Um, Because a lot of romance authors at first were like, well, I only wrote romance books. And I said, these guys are over there literally reading cereal boxes. They will read romance books. They'll read anything. And they forget there's women in the military. Yeah. They might be they might be service personnel, but they still some of them romance. It, mm-hmm. What we have to get out of this this idea that we put people in boxes, and when you're in an area mm-hmm. where, like you said, they're basically reading cereal boxes, get over yourself. Just send them send them an encyclopedia or a dictionary. It doesn't matter. It's something you <laughs> have to read. Yeah, there there was there was so many, so many diverse books. There was there was just tons of time. I mean, we had people, uh, companies sending their comic books. So every box I try try to throw in like five or six comic books on top as well. We had several thousand comic books that we ended up um, wow. from indie companies and and different things. So it was 
it's just amazing the amount of um you know the the amount of books and and everything else and then putting all those boxes together and me and my wife sitting here at night just for like one night while we're watching television just putting together the boxes and taping them up because I knew that books were coming in and we could you know we would be filling more of them so it was uh, it was a lot it was a lot of work but it was a lot of fun Hopefully well, the thought, generosity that you showed others comes back to you tenfold, man. We we really do appreciate uh, what I'm, you a, did. I'm a big believer Yvonne, in karma. I know you got a burning question, don't you? Well, I was just going to tell Armand, it, to me it's a labor of love. And, and because okay. of it, look how far you have come, Armand, in this industry. 200 stories, podcast, living in Jacksonville where it's cold. Should still be a part of Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I'll be going up towards that way in a couple of months. But the personal growth that you have had because you did something so unselfishly and so mm-hmm. not wanting anything in return. And and when you think about it in this world we live in especially during these two years of insanity, people have forgotten how to just give without wanting anything in return. Yeah. So that brings us back to what have you been doing wise? I know you've got some books out. Always books out. Always books out. And you've got the podcast. And, and tell the folks about the podcast because I didn't even know you had a podcast out now. That's how much I've been in the loop. Well, it's been um, – give me a second. <laughs> mm. uh, Mondo Method Podcast is um, been out for – I think we're in our sixth year now. We're coming up on our sixth wow. year. Uh, me and Chuck Buddha, and we talk about publishing and writing and stuff like that. He's only been writing professionally for about three years, four years um, at the time we started the podcast, and I had been doing it for, you know, 30, 30 years. I've been full-time as a writer earning a living for this will be my 11th year now, uh-huh. and so we talk about the the good, the bad, and the ugly. We talk about our mistakes. We talk about the trends we're seeing. We talk about real-life stuff because we both listen to a lot of podcasts, writing podcasts, where the hosts were talking about, oh, I made $100 million last week, you know, and they were doing all these great <laughs> magical magical things. And my book just went to number one on Amazon, and then you'd look it up, and it was like, Number 150,000, you know. So I was sick of listening to all just the positives. So I said, let's do something. Let's do something real. And no matter what the subject is, let's be open and honest about it and all our mistakes and obviously all the positives as well. But um, so that's kind of how it, it came around. And we've been doing it. We're 270 episodes or something into it now. And, Getting a lot, oh, excuse me. Getting a lot of listeners, and it's just fun. It's every 
every uh, Wednesday morning it drops. And so we'll record every couple of weeks. We'll record a couple episodes, and we do yearly goals, and listeners share their yearly goals and updates and stuff. So it's a really good community. Well, well since we're on the subject, and, and Ian, Ian can attest to this too. You know I've been in this business for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. when you made a statement on one of your sites that I went and, and did my deep dive is that um, being rich and famous would be nice. It's not why I write. I write because I'm a writer. When, mm-hmm. And this is something that, that people coming into this arena need to understand. We don't get rich and famous when we publish a book. We write because we can't help ourselves. We write because we would go crazy if we didn't. And when when someone makes that kind of statement on a podcast, it sends out a false narrative about this industry. Mm-hmm. And the and and the education that you and Chuck give that that is not why we're in this. You like me have been right a long time, and and you like me probably has had about as much rejection as the rest of us have because that's the nature of this beast. You've had bad reviews, you've had hate comments, but we keep going. So, ladies and gentlemen, if if you want to write, write. No one can teach you how to be a writer. You just write, because if you wake up every morning and that's all you think about, then you're a writer. And it doesn't it has to be. It has to be a passion. It, right. You know, it, and it doesn't class fiction, short stories, an epistle, it doesn't matter. If you write in a journal every day, you are a writer. Am I right, Armand? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's, you know, it's the first thing I think about when I wake up. And um, last thing I think about when I go to bed is what, what am I working on today? What am I working on tomorrow? What are my deadlines? Um, you know, what's in my head? I got to get this all out of my head. You know, it'd be great to make Stephen King and Patterson and Dean Koontz money. Is, is it going to happen? Probably not. But in the meantime, that's not really the goal. Um, I'm very blessed. I'm making more money now than I ever did work in retail management or any other job. But I don't wake up and go, let me go count how much money I made. I wake up and I say, what am am I working on today? Think about this. Shakespeare, Poe, Shelley, Keith, um, the guy, uh, Bram Stoker, those people did not become famous until after they died. Mm-hmm. Poe yeah. died broke. Yeah, and that's that's what I, I hope I get. I hope I get famous before I die. That would be that would be nice. <laughs> but I, I have an, I have an ego, so I hope somebody knows who the hell I am. You know, beforehand. But. Okay, Ian, take lessons, honey. You need to get famous before you die. <laughs> yeah. Right. That should be right. should be the goal. Get get famous before you die. It's, well, uh, it's, you, it's, even then, it's, I've, I've I've discussed this on the show before that 
you know, even indie authors, um, I forget which guests we were talking to, but um, even indie authors, like, if we die, we really don't die because the stories that we created live past us. Somebody will always find us on some some yeah, you portion have, of the internet. As a writer, so, you have your intellectual property. I mean, just we went exactly, and uh, <clears throat> we're getting older. I'm getting older. And um, <laughs> to put our will together and everything, and part of that – is my IP. Part of that is when I die, who, who gets all this? You know, who, who yeah. gets hundreds of, of books that are out and, and, and making money and, and, and churning money. So it's something yeah. to think about. There's a legacy there as a writer. Even <laughs> if you had one story out, you're, you're still out there and you'll be out there forever with that. Exactly. Right. I think that's why I love all of us. Uh, on this panel tonight because all of us have created things, of course, right? But all of us have done podcasts too. And the beauty right. of, this, of these podcasts is that no matter what, whatever happens, we can always replay these podcasts and it's like our friends are still here. And I think yeah. it's really powerful. And um, I think that's kind of what got me into the writing business. You know, you said that you're, you're very blessed to have um, a supportive life, which I'm going to throw a little edit for you for some, some kudos the last thing you think about before you go to bed after all the books is your wife, right? No, I got to think. I've been thinking about her uh, her during the day. That's the rest of the day. <laughs> she's got thinking, daytime. I got it. I like it. She's but she's the daytime. Uh, while she's at work making you know actual money and 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 paying the bills <laughs> for us and stuff, I'm like, do I have to do the laundry today? Is today a right, exactly. you know? Did I feed the cat? Am I am I making right. dinner tonight? So. It's, it's all those things between the writing. But I think that's right. But I think that's that's what really um, got me into it was the love of that one day if something God forbid happens to me, um, you know, people like my daughter can tune in and hear Dad, and she can say that's Dad. Right. I'm like I'm not I'm not alone. Dad's still here, and I think you feel that as well. I, I know you're a family man as well. So, oh, hundred um, percent. So really here's appreciate. a here's a funny thing. I um, yeah. I write live on Twitch every week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 1 p.m. Oh, okay. So I, I go on, and here's you – know, I'm on webcam, and you can see – you literally see where I'm, what I'm writing, and I write short stories. And I start a story – all I have is the title, nothing else, and I just write a short story. And mm-hmm. the other day, my youngest, who's – my youngest is now – she's 21 – sends me a message mm-hmm. – and she she asked me a question. I said I can't talk. I'm on Twitch. Mm-hmm. So she's like, "You're on what? I'm on I'm on Twitch. I'm writing." So she's like, "All right." So she jumps into the chat and asks me the question in front of like you know twenty twenty people, and it was like something stupid like, "Are you coming down to our because she's living in Orlando right now? Are you coming down to Orlando in a couple of weeks? Um, because me and my boyfriend." Um, want to know before we make plans, something like that. But I thought that was <laughs> funny. And then she was like, uh, my dad, the, uh, the Twitch star or something like that, you know, just goofing around with me. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was so funny. And then everybody, everybody in the chat's like, hey, Caitlin, and they're all talking to her, yeah. which is funny. And then my wife listens when she's at work sometimes. Um, and she was actually listening in. So then, of course, she's talking. And then she's – I said – to sh- I said, shall you explain to her what we're doing or not doing? 
And then so they, <laughs> but I thought he, she would call her. No, they have the conversation live in the twat in the Twitch chat room <laughs> uh, in front of like you know a dozen people, which I thought was great. And see, and that'll be like out that. there forever. That's the memory that she will always have. Yeah. <laughs> you did something that I did, and I would do it again. When when I was in Baltimore, I also went to the Poe House. Yeah. And it was stepping back in time. Of course, anybody that knows me knows that, that Poe is my go-to author. He's the reason that I'm so twisted. I blame him because he was, he was, it hit yeah, the house of Usher was the first horror movie I ever saw. The Raven was one of the first poems that I ever memorized. So I blame Poe because I'm twisted. But Those when you sense. go in, <laughs> I might, you know me too well, but when you go <laughs> into, that, into that house and Ian, if you ever get an opportunity, you should go visit it. It's like stepping back in time, isn't it? Yeah, but you got to go during the day. Yes. You do not want to be in that neighborhood at night. No, it's it's not in a not in a nice neighborhood. No. It gets a little spooky at night, but <laughs> so what is it? I know you like Dean Koontz, and I used to read Dean Koontz. I don't read him anymore. But what what is it that you like about Poe? You know, it's 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 all it's it's Lovecraft, it's Poe, it's for me it was Robert E. Howard. I'm reading um yep. a collection of Fritz Lieber um, mm-hmm. uh, stories that that uh, had gone out of print that they recently reprinted again, and it's that mm-hmm. it's just that overall feel of those guys. They're they're way with they're way with words. They're way to set a mood and when you really sit back and read some of that stuff and you go nothing happens in (laughs) per pages but there's so much mood and it's just the it's just so great i I read a a fritz lieber story and i'm like there's literally nothing going on for like three pages and i am hooked because Mm -hmm. of just the the usage of the language that he is using and that the scene he's setting up and the dread that they, that they set up. I mean, there's so much, there's, there's so much there. I mean, think of any, think of any post story. It's not this huge, uh, storyline. It's an idea. It's that, yep. it's that idea. And we're going to talk about it for 12 pages <laughs> and it's going to be brilliant. You know what I mean? We, right. It's, you, you think of anything modern, and it's let's get the jump scares, let's get uh, the the shocking mm-hmm. parts, let's get the blood and the guts, and let's get all of all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to. Now I, I I've, I've written a lot of that stuff, but I more prefer that quiet horror, that the cosmic mm-hmm. horror, the dread. You know, that yeah. stuff just really, really gets you where you read that and then you don't want to go, you don't want to turn the light out and go to bed. And I respect good. that because I'm also a lover of Robert E. Howard, too. And you have to think about the time period um, that they're in, too. When, when you read a book today, it's exactly what you said. It's going for thrills. It's, it's kick, 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 right? 
because words sell now. Now you have to bring that person in because they might only have 10 minutes on the train. But back then, when you're reading these books, you have to put yourself in that mindset that it was a lot, I'm not going to say slower, but it was more simple. It, people wanted to know exactly what Solomon Cain or Conan the Barbarian was wearing, doing, thinking, feeling, all of that. They wanted to get engrossed. They had the time to get engrossed. Now, people don't people don't take time to read anymore. I mean, they're reading on the subway, and it's loud, and it's, you know, yeah. people are bumping into well, you. We're binge, and we're, binge, and so, we're binge reading. Um, we're binge watching. We're binge listening exactly. to books. You know, somebody yeah, wants yeah. a series. I just put out a brand new uh, thriller book, and the sales are really good, but I know – once I get the sixth and final book of it done, then the sales are going to go through the roof because people right. want to binge read that. That's very people are like, good. oh, you got a new book out. That's awesome. It's a new, oh, great, new series. Okay. How often are you putting yeah. this thing out? Uh-huh. Because I want, to, I want to read the whole thing or listen to the entire thing, all six books, you know, uh, at the same time. Conan, uh, Sir Arthur Conan is that same type of writer. When you read the Sherlock Holmes series, he builds, mm-hmm. he literally builds the story like stair steps going into a darkened basement. He doesn't just jump right in. Agatha right. Christie the same way. We're not jumping right in. We're gonna we're gonna tell this story. Like you're sitting on that Orient Express and you're watching all this in real time, and in real time things happen at a slower pace. Right, but they could also, you know, Robert E. Howard, his weird tales, some of the stuff that he put in the pulp yeah. magazines, are, you know, twenty five hundred word action, bang bang bang. You, there's no characterization. There's no character arc or anything. It's just a a, a, a gunfight. You know, it's just a monster coming out. It's whatever it is. And I think those also work well because they're all such great writers and they can they can do that. You know, I was whenever anybody asks me, you know, about my I always say I'm a pulp fiction writer. I don't use, you know, purple prose. I don't I don't use big flowery words. I don't describe every scene and every and the characters and all. I want to just get into the meat of the story. And it's from reading Robert E. Howard and and Poe and and even you know Dean Koontz when I was a teenager. I mean, most of his stuff is really considered thrillers, action adventure. You know, even back then when he was using all those pen names. And so I really loved all that writing that really told a great story, but in so many different ways. And I'm 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 trying as a as a writer to always get better. I'm trying to write the perfect story, which is never going to happen. And you, you take a lot of those, um, all, a lot of that knowledge from all of those people, you know, and I think that really helps. I mean, that's the biggest cliche, but everybody says, you know, what's, what's the best, what's the best thing to do for a writer? And it's read, you know, you can, you can write all day, but if you, if you don't know what's out there, if you don't know, if you don't know good writing and you don't know bad writing, because there's a lot of bad writing. I've read a yep. ton of bad writing, but I've learned from that. The other day, there was in one of the groups that I am in, and the question was, 
posed by a potential writer, and she had asked this question in another group, and the question was, should, as a writer, should I read? And the, this so-called professional writer came back and said, absolutely not. You should not read. You should just write. And I went, apparently that is not a <laughs> professional writer because any professional no. writer out there will tell you, read. The more you read, the more you learn, the more better you can write. And not just in your genre, read everything. Everything. Exactly. I mostly read nonfiction books. Most of my reading probably, I read, last year I read 80, 81 books, because I keep track on Goodreads. And about 40 of them were nonfiction books, because I love history. I love biographies. I love, but I also use that stuff in my writing down the line. Yes. You know, any, anything you write... Uh, you know, anything you read, you, you can use. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's an important thing. But I don't just read thriller books. I don't just read horror books. I read, I still read science everything. fiction. I still read fantasy. I, I read everything. Ian, what's your take? So I'm, I'm glad that um, we're talking about diversity, right? Because I think, again, I, I don't know why I keep giving us, like, us three kudos. I don't. Maybe this is just kudos night. I'm just giving all of us a little ego boost, so just take it. Run with it. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take but, it. Yeah, right? You're like, any any little amount of ego <laughs> boost, I, I will suck that in and just internalize yeah. it. But I appreciate niche authors, right? I appreciate the authors that I know when I grab their book, they are going to write X, right? I also appreciate even more somebody who can have diversification in their writing and still create a book that is entertaining to me. And I believe you and Yvonne um, have done that. And that's why, you know, me too are some of my favorite indie authors is because whenever I grab a book of yours, I don't even know what I'm going to get. Right. I get a cover and I'm just all like, Oh, like this is different. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I yeah. think, the big thing that the big takeaway is that like, yeah, get good in a niche, right? Write what you enjoy writing. But if you can diversify your platform and diversify your genres, that shows so much more merit in an author because they're not afraid to get out of their pigeonhole and get out of their comfort zone and go try something different. And I, I believe YouTube done that a lot. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I think, <clears throat> I think I'm still in my niche phase, but, um, I'm not that much older than your daughter, so I think I got a couple more years before I have to get famous uh, or die. It, it well, seems like it's me, just one it was, or the other, right? Was, <laughs> for me, it was like 10 years ago. I was writing maybe book three or four of the Dying Days, the zombie series. And I was doing interviews, and they kept calling me – they kept introducing me as the zombie author, Armand Rosamilio. And that bothered me because not that I wasn't writing – zombie books and not that I wasn't making money doing it, but um, I didn't want to be known as the zombie author. I wanted to be known as the author. I wanted to be known as not the horror author. I, I wanted to be known as just the author because I knew even then mostly writing horror stuff that I wanted to do contemporary fiction. I wanted to do nonfiction. I wanted to do thrillers and supernatural thrillers and all this other stuff. So that really kind of gave me that kick to say, you know what, I just want to write what I want to write. 
And if it sells, it sells. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And a lot of stuff never sold, but a lot of stuff did. And, you know, that for me, that was kind of that, that wake up of, I could write Dying Days 47. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to just just sit here and write two or three zombie books every year. And, 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 you know, and that's still one of my biggest selling. I I just put out all nine books in a box set last year and, uh, it sold like crazy at nine 99 for nine books. And I figured out some people are going to read it, you know, Kindle unlimited, they'll read. Um, and the page reads were phenomenal, but people were buying the book at, you know, 10 bucks a pop. Uh, and I was like, this is, this is great. People still want to read this stuff. And the first one came out in like 2008, 2009. So I'm happy. I'm glad I wrote them, but I, I never wanted to be a zombie author. You know, I don't want to be a, a horror author. I don't want to be a thriller author. I just want to be an author. I want to put out enough stuff. Um, no, I'm still doing nonfiction books. I did a, a nonfiction book about Dunkin' Donuts a few months ago. So I'm, I'm just kind of whatever I want to put out. I mean, I'm still doing a lot of horror stuff, uh, but I'm mostly steering into the crime thriller stuff now. And for me, that's where the, that's where the focus is. That's where the passion is right now. But I still have six books that are due for Severed Press that are monster books that will come out in the next year or two. So, you know, there's that. It's a, it's a, it's a career, but it's a business. You know, you're, year i'm still writing books that i'm passionate about but i'm also you know you, you there's some books that people go oh when's the next one coming out and i look at the numbers and i think never this, i love this <laughs> book this could have been a great series but i it sold 50 copies in two years you know what i mean i haven't even gotten back the money for the edit and the um and the cover on this thing like you'll this will never see another another book and, and, and then there's what a lot of people don't understand and those of us who are avid readers do understand is when an author locks themselves into one genre after a while every book reads the same the place has changed the characters have changed the plot and the dialogue are almost the same as the one before because it becomes stagnant. There's nothing to stimulate the mind to create a new work. And then right. it becomes boring. I quit reading a lot of authors for that reason because I know exactly what's going to happen from page one to the end of the book. And what's the point? Yeah, as a, as a writer, I always want to challenge myself. Yes. I always want to come up with something that I've never read before, something I'm not aware of, uh, a character, a plot, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter that it's a horror. Like on Twitch, I'm writing, uh, I might write a horror story. I'm writing a horror story on Monday, and then Wednesday I'm writing a crime thriller, and then uh, Friday I'm writing some weird thing. I don't even know what it is. But then I've written <laughs> fantasy stories and science fiction. I've written... Um, almost autobiographical scenes from my childhood kind of stuff just to write, just to, just to get it out there because I'm putting together 
short story collections every year because I have a Patreon that I put short stories on because all those stories will eventually be read somewhere. So it, they're, they're not going to waste. And it's also great practice with an audience, you know, talking to you and being able to go, okay, I got an hour to write 1,200 words and, and do a short story here. And I have no idea where I'm going. I don't even know the characters. I know nothing. All I have is a, literally have a title to this story. And it's that fun challenge that excites me to, you know, get up every morning and, and write. Ian, it's time for you to put some new work out, honey. It's been too long. You know, um, it's funny that you say that because um, I told you about my potential submission but you're, uh, are, are they the Space Coast Writers Guild? Yes. They have a, a um, uh, wow, you forgot my name and I forgot what I was writing for. No, uh, they have a writing contest. <laughs> and um, I'm actually going to try to um, submit to that. So we'll see what happens and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I I know that's that's kind of been around the corner. And Armand, um, going back to you on that that now, what have you ever had writer's block? I mean, two hundred books, like come on now, like what have you ever took no. a break? And and if so, what no, brought you because back? it's because I'm always working on, you know, eight or nine different stories at once. Mm-hmm. So I'm a total pantser. I I, I there's no. There's maybe a couple of notes or something, but usually it's just off the top of my head. And I'll get up in the morning and I do, I do what I call the Mondo method of writing. So at 10 a.m., I stop everything I'm doing, and from 10 to 10.15, I write on a specific project, whatever I, I'm, I'm feeling. And then after 15 minutes, I stop. And then I do other stuff mm-hmm. for 15 minutes. I go get another cup of coffee, play on Facebook, play my baseball game, whatever. And then at 11 o'clock, boom, stop, and i got to write again for those 15 minutes. And it's top of the hour, every hour for 15 minutes. And I'm getting six to 800 words in in that time. And it's not always the same project. I might, I might go, okay, i got to write this next crime thriller. I'm going to write, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like i got to get to the next page. That's what I always say on Twitch as I'm writing. I have to get to the next page. And so I'll do that. And then the next hour, I might go, you know, I, I, I got to write this chapter for Patreon. Or, hey, this, I just saw this anthology call, and I'm going to start working on this story. So I might work on three or four different stories a day. Or when I'm under a deadline, I'm going to write four or five times on just that story because I know I got to get it done. So um, there's, always, there's always 14 or 15 projects at least on my, on my dry erase board that I'm working on at any given time. So there's, there's never where I'm, if, if I'm not writing, it's because I'm, I'm sick or I'm just like, you know what? I need a day off. My brain is just friggin' mush. Or my wife yeah. says, Hey, it's Sunday. How about you take a friggin' break and let's go to, let's go to dinner or help, help me clean the house or something. And then I'll, you know, every couple of weeks I'll take a day off. Yeah. Now do you, go ahead, Yvonne. I was just going to say he has to do that in order to recharge because mm-hmm. anybody out there that writes, 
knows that after time, the voices in our head take us over. We're mentally and emotionally <laughs> exhausted because we're literally in the book with those characters we're writing about. Am I right, Armand? Oh, 100%. Especially NaNoWriMo. You know, every uh, oh, geez. You know, national writing. Every, every November. November, I write a book. <laughs> and I'm also writing other stuff. So, like, this, this November, I wrote 75,000 words, 50,000 oh, wow. of a book, and, like, another 25,000 of other stories and things. So, come December, a lot of times I'm burnt out. I'm doing one, two, maybe two sprints a day after that and taking a few days off because it's just, you know, you, you, it's just too much. Yeah. Well, and also, are you, um, what kind of writer are are you? Um, not being disparaging, but because of what you've already brought up, hey, I got deadlines, I got deadlines. Um, are you a deadline writer or are you a passion writer? Like you get an idea and you're like, oh, man, I got to write this. Or do you find the deadline or the story or uh, the call for submissions, try to write this type of story, or do you do both? Do you try to, like, hybrid it? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm definitely someone who needs a deadline um, for a lot of stuff where you'll tell, you'll tell me, hey, this story – like, so I wrote a story – yesterday um, because it was due February 1st to submit was the deadline. And I literally wrote the story yesterday and then sent it to my beta readers and said, you have like two hours. It's, you know, 2,500 words. Please read this and critique it and give it back. And then I submitted it. And I've been sitting on that for like a month and I knew the idea. It was just no pressure. But then there's stuff um, that there's no, my own stuff, my self-published stuff, there's no deadline. So I'm working on it, and I'm enjoying not having that strict deadline right now. I I, I think it, um, I enjoy the writing more um, in the moment. Although I I feel like I write my best, best stuff when I'm under the gun, when I have that, that deadline and it has to be done because the publisher needs it on this date. I'm, I'm very good with when I sign a contract, I say, you have to give me a date. You, you have to give <laughs> yeah. me a date that I have to give you this book or you're going to get this book five years from now. So in the contract, <laughs> put a date and I write it on my planner and I write it up on my dry erase board and then three days before I – Matt scrambling, write twenty thousand words. Right, Yvonne. What type of uh, what type of writer are you? Are you a hybrid like that, or are you a, a deadline driven, or are you just a hey, this call for submission sounds really interesting. I want to try it out. Or are you well, yeah. right. I'm kind of all. I'm kind of all of the above. Right now, I'm working on an anthology for AMR Publishing, and I have several that are going to be coming out that have stories in them. And so I have those deadlines in my planner of when I have to have them finished. And I'm in the middle of one. I'm halfway done with it. And I know I will have it done way before I need to tone it in. But if I have, but if I have a deadline, if I 
turn it in the day it's due to me, it's late. Because I don't, I haven't, it's like when I go somewhere. I'd rather be 10 minutes early than one minute late. And because this this publisher, when she's put these calls out and these authors, know, mm-hmm. these are not inexperienced authors. They know what they need to do. And she literally has to beg them to give yep. her their stories. And to me, that is so unprofessional. Yeah, I, that, yeah. that happens a lot. I think that's one of the unprofessional ones that I get really um, wrapped around the axle about. And the other one is just lack of communication. Because if you're going to be yeah. late, just say you're going to be late to my – just say you're going to be late. <laughs> like, we can maybe try to get a new deadline or whatever. But, like, if I have to keep reaching out to you, like, are you still interested? Are you still interested? Like, that just – it irks me. Because we're all busy. I mean, we're all trying to do something. And if you can't even give me the time of day, why should I even give you the spot of the day, you know? Exactly. And speaking yeah. of begging – Speaking of begging, Yvonne, we're almost at that ten minute mark. I'm begging you, can we bring Armand back? We we haven't even touched how oh, he's a Jersey boy. We haven't even touched like a whole much stuff. Come on now. We gotta bring him back, Yvonne. Of course we can. Anytime he wants to come back, we have got I would February. I would love to come back. I like We've talking got to you guys. March full full, but hold on a minute and let me get the date book open. A little trusty date book. And Armand, we'll just set you up right now, my friend, because you've got to be a regular on this show. Well, good to me. Is March Hall? I love I love that we've actually talked about how we organize things tonight too, because Armand said he has his whiteboard. Uh, Yvonne says she has her planner. Um, I just have I like notebooks. I, I got my planner too. I live by my planner. I don't put anything. On my phone, I live by my planner. When Jack was alive, every time mm-hmm. I walked out the door, my planner went with me because I had all mm-hmm. of my dates, all of his doctor's appointments, all of his meds. Everything was in my planner. You never saw me without mm-hmm. my planner. Well, it's funny too because I'm a little bit younger. I'm I'm a little bit younger than y'all, and I, I'm sorry I brought up age twice. I know how much Yvonne loves that. She <laughs> puts me in the corner and grounds me after I bring up age, but uh. I'm still a paper and pen kind of desk calendar planner like that too. And people are like, put it on your phone. I'm like, yeah, no, no. because like no. technology is screwy. <laughs> like, I, I have to have it in white. front of me. I have, I have my planner on my desk and I have yeah. to have my dry erase board and I have 4,000 post-it notes. I have three monitors yep. on my desk and all three of them are covered in post-it notes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a post-it note. Uh, post-it note not to because you'll yeah. you look at my desk and every project is lined up and every project has post-it notes of like oh this could be a good scene like <laughs> so. yeah I'm, I'm just constant constant nothing is um i mean i have an excel spreadsheet where i keep track of my words and stories and all that stuff but that's stuff that i'm mm-hmm. i'm not looking at right now but I, i'm constantly when i when i create my list of and I, I use a post-it note every day to jot down you know nine to ten email ten to ten thirty you know first writing ten thirty so i'm i'm writing out my day every day on a post-it right. note and i'm always looking at my planner to make sure that um, i'm not missing anything 
Well, while Yvonne gets the calendar up, I mean, that's another big takeaway from our interview tonight um, for inspiring artists, regardless if you're a writer, uh, musician, painter, whatever. You got to have organization because there's nothing worse than, you know, we've already kind of alluded to it, missing a deadline or completely blanking on a project or even just forgetting that uh, you got to write for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, the thing is, in real life, when you go out into the real world, you're under mm-hmm. deadlines. You're under projects that, that you have to meet those deadlines because there's people that that you answer to and then those people you answer to they answer to others so Mm -hmm. if you want to be a professional in life whether it's it's doing what we do or being Mm -hmm. a a janitor which is a very honorable Mm -hmm. job there are deadlines there are things that have to be done at a certain time don't do those things you cheat yourself and you cheat the company yeah. Well, and you gotta you gotta know what type of person you're working with too, because unfortunately, um, you know, with my job as a project manager, um, I'm kind of spoiled because I'm like, if I miss this deadline, is anybody gonna die? And so my bosses got really smart. They're like, wait a minute, if we give Bush a deadline, back that up like two days because either he's going to meet the deadline or he's going to be like, you know, nobody dies if I turn this into you tomorrow, right? Okay, cool. It's going to be in tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm a little bit yeah. spoiled. <laughs> you got your calendar, okay. Yvonne? I do. I'm thinking April the 11th. What do you think, Armand? Let me uh, let me look. April 11th. Uh-huh. Because the, the last the last week of March and the first week in April, I'm going to be traveling again. Oh, jeez. Right. So let me uh, let me let me pencil because normally I I record every other Monday. Me and Chuck record, so I'll just do it when well, it is not it on, on that Monday. You want to do it on the twelfth? Twelfth would be better because I know I'm not recording on that day. Okay. So See, where you, you know that. Yep. <laughs> we're easy. We're just not cheap. <laughs> Dude, there you go. Perfect. The twelfth. The twelfth will uh, will definitely work. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here, April the twelfth. Armand will be joining us again, and you do not want to miss it. We have reached our five minute mark, and I want to thank Ian for always having my back. I cannot do without him. So if he decides to go MIA, I will hunt him down. I will drag (laughs) him back. And he will continue doing this. February the 7th, Michael Coleman will be joining us again. He is with See Your Shadow. He's got a new song out, and I know everybody wants to hear that. MTS Management, uh, Michael Stover and his team, his artists have been winning awards like crazy. And we like to think that part of that is the exposure they get on this show. And we are so grateful and so honored and so blessed to be partnered with MTS Management and Michael Silver and all the folks that he sends us. And February and March are going to be filled with those folks. Armand, thank you, my dear, so much for joining us again. Can't wait for you to come back. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. It's been way too long. <laughs> and Ian, thank you for always having my back, sweetheart. I uh, I appreciate it. 
When, when of course, I get a show call, must go on. Of course it does. That's show business, <laughs> you know. Can't you can't just stop showing because one of the cogs is off the wheel. You got to reline the wheel and just move on. But ladies and gentlemen, this show is is heard in now about forty countries with one hundred and forty eight thousand people listening to us. So we want you all to go to armandrosemilia.com to email him at armandrosemilia at gmail.com find him on Facebook go and buy his book one amazing author and one amazing human being you just thank you very much you well, I only speak the facts, sir. You know that. You've known me long enough. I don't I, lie about it. I, I, I do <laughs> know that. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> People that know me know me well. So go and 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 check him out because there are indie authors out there that we do good work. Don't get boxed in to just traditional published authors. Go and expand your horizons. Armand, real quick, we got about two minutes left. What words of wisdom would you like to leave our listeners tonight? Read. Read everything you can get your hands on, every genre you can get your hands on, and and you know, read my books too. That would probably be a good thing as well. <laughs> And and if if in your in your writing of crime thrillers, Armand, if you need any of the criminal justice side, you know where my degree is. You know what I've done for a living. So <laughs> yes, I I might uh, I might need you with not on this series. And the series out now is First Coast uh, Thriller series, but not this series. This will be six books coming out this year. Next year. I'm probably going to do something, and I will probably need to uh, – I'll probably have some questions for you. You will get the answers, my friend. It will be an honor and a privilege. Real Perfect. quick, Ian, what have you got for the listening audience tonight? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I sprinkle a little here and there with, with some words of wisdom, but I think the the biggest thing is to uh, – just stay organized and keep up and, and keep your passions up. And I'll uh, definitely vouch for Armand that uh, you got to check his work out because if uh, you're looking for a certain type of genre, he's probably got a home for you somewhere. So just just go out there and, and check out his work. And I, I really do appreciate you coming on tonight, man. And um, I, I appreciate, appreciate you staying me, in touch with, with little old me and, you know, <laughs> keeping keeping me in your network. So thanks for coming yeah, on, man. I, I appreciate you. So, ladies and gentlemen, join us on the 7th when we will once again have the amazing Michael Coleman with See Your Shadow and his new song. He's always, always full of wit, wisdom, laughter, and knowledge. Until then, I want to thank our guest, Arthur Armand Rosamilia, my co-host Ian Bush, who always has my back, who I love dearly, like one of my own children, and me, your host, Yvonne Mason, here at Off the Chain, and y'all be safe, be well, be kind. Until next Monday night, we wish you well. Good night, all. Thanks, guys. Night, y'all. Thank you.
You're welcome.